You are now listening to The Circle Podcast, episode four with Michael Tabarati. Let's go. So I would say success is reaching a level of satisfaction in different areas of your life. That's it, quite simply. And I know satisfaction seems like a very dry word. And if anyone can think of a more exciting word, then you can use that. It doesn't really matter. I think what I'm trying to say is, is that you need to create more happier moments in your life, in your life, in your life. Welcome back to the Circles podcast. I'm gassed right now. I've got Big Mike in the building. Yeah. I've seen people call you Money Mike, <laughs> Big Mike, all kind of things. So Michael is a high performance coach. You just help entrepreneurs and people in general develop their life, see a better vision of success. And in one sentence, how would you kind of describe yourself if you were to say like, this is what I do? Yeah, it's a good question. So effectively, what I do is help people discover their set of values so they can do three things. Number one, increase their productivity, enhance their performance, and live more intentionally on purpose. That's effectively what it is. So focusing more on ambitious self-starters or professionals or entrepreneurs, whatever it is really. People who just want more in life. But obviously what you're doing right now, that's not how you started. So what's what's the origin story? Well, where does Michael begin? How does the story start? I don't even know what point to start at. Um, it depends how long I've got. <laughs> <laughs> you've got as long as, as long as, as long as you need. I mean, for us, it's, there's, there's no limit on time. So start. Cool, cool. And feel free to just intervene if anything. So I guess for me, so I come from a British Ghanaian household. So both my parents are Ghanaian. Uh, grew up in Southwest London for the majority of my life. And it was one of those situations where life was difficult. You know, there were times where, you know, we, we would eat a, a Gary for long periods of time or we'd have corned beef stew for long periods of time. Bruv, trust me, like living that sort of life. But I guess when people see me, they think, yeah, you know, things have been set up for him nicely. And no, it's, it, it hasn't been like that. And so at a young age, you know, ambition was a high thing. And for many people, they thought I was going to be some sort of athlete. So when it came to athletics, rugby, karate, football, I was at least county level for those things. Um, so in my mind, I thought I was going to be an athlete. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to do the whole Usain Bolt thing. Um, but you know what? I'm, I'm not, I'm just, just to stop you there, you have got an athlete's name though. Nah, do you know what? I hear that, I hear that. But just, just to clarify for people, my full name is Ajay Tabaradi. But I use the Tabaradi because, you know, in, in some traditions within Ghana, they like to add a first name and it's almost like a tradition based on you know getting a name from your uncle or your aunt or whatever it is so Tabradi is the family name but the EJ is unique to me and my father as well so as as time went on was doing the sport was killing it um I thought okay as a small as a young sort of black guy I need to have a backup plan I've heard about having a backup plan so originally I thought I wanted to do architecture did work experience I thought it was whack. No offense to anyone who's an architect. And then I was like, hmm, maybe I need to do something else. And so my parents suggested medicine. I was like, I'm not going to do what you tell me to do and then go on and do that thing. But then two weeks later, I was like, actually, no, this makes sense. I like science. I like money. I like prestige. And I like working with people. I like the idea of it. So to cut a long story short, I spent 10 years trying to get into medicine. Now, I didn't do great at university, but I had to do this exam called the GAMSAT, which was like six hours 
you know, in terms of taking it before I could be successful. And I took it about five times. Each time it, it cost about 350 pounds. Now, bearing in mind, I was trying to, you know, grow, you know, within my career. So I was doing a nine to five and then a five to 11 studying. So that, that sort of like period of like studying after work was about four or five years. So how was, how was that for you? Like, obviously you, you're telling me that you're, you're taking this exam, mm -hmm. you know, 350 pounds every time yeah. and, and, you know, and you're not passing. So how does that feel for you when you pass? Obviously, the first time you think, okay, you brush it off. The mm. second time, mm. how was that? Mm. It's a good question because, you know, I was starting my whole sort of personal development campaign. And, um, you know, you would consistently hear, I think it was Will Smith's words of wisdom that really influenced me back in the day. I think it was 2010, 11. And he said something about, you know, he would rather die on the treadmill than let the other person beat him. So I was trying to adopt that mentality. But then life was just that, Mike, <laughs> is this you? You know, everybody knew me as Dr. Mike, Dr. Michael Tabarati, this and that. The church knew me as doctor, you know. And so there was that social and cultural pressure as well. But as I was climbing the ranks as a young buck in the NHS, I started to realize that actually, no, I would make more of a name for myself as a, as a senior manager as opposed to a doctor because I wanted to liaise the two because I realized communication between clinicians and the senior managers was poor. I came to the conclusion that I didn't want to do medicine. So I had to be honest to my parents, namely my mom, because my dad left when I was seven years old, but we still have a good relationship. And I just said to her, do you know what? I, I don't want to do medicine no more. And you, you know, the, I don't think she understood the first, I think she thought I was saying something else. <laughs> I had to say it a number of times, but do you know what, to be fair, she, she was completely supportive. Like her face was disdained and everything else, but her actions showed support, which I really appreciated. So. Over the years, I just told people I wasn't doing medicine. I mean, your mum said you, she was on board. How was your dad with that? I mean, obviously, you had a did you have a relationship with him then, or was it a case of you were, you didn't have one then, and it's kind of grown over the years? How, how did you take that? You know, so we've always had a relationship. I think naturally, it's grown over the years, and I think he was not happy with it at all. You know, um, he he was the sort of person where it's all about books and academics, and he had dreams of becoming. A scientist but at a young age he had his parents pass away so he didn't get the opportunity um and so for i think in in his eyes i was going to follow a similar suit so me doing this other stuff was like why is my my son failing you know and at the same time and i didn't tell my parents this at the time i was getting myself more and more involved in entrepreneurship because you know when i started in the hospital i started to speak to loads of people my former uh, manager back in 2010 was basically like to me, you know, um, you seem like an intellectual guy. Do you read? I was like, no, I don't believe in books. And she was like, what? We had this big ass debate. And I ended up reading The Alchemist based on recommendation of that Will Smith words of wisdom that I spoke about before. And so I'm coming to a point here. The books that I started to read, like basically enabled me to Number one, validate ideas I'd never validated before, but two, introduce me to new and organized concepts. And so it took me to a point where when I did start a, a new job within the NHS as a project manager at a pretty young age, 22, 23, when I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I just dived into this whole world of entrepreneurship, like, like blind, completely. I was reading, but I was blind. 
Do you know what I mean? Oh. You know? So do you feel like that had given you a bit of a... Um, so you'd already had, obviously, all these these concepts in your head, these ideas that are flowing through, but mm-hmm. what this gave you was more structure? Yes, yes. Because okay. I don't want to be... I had I had huge visions. I had huge dreams. I had no idea how I was going to get there, but I didn't want to be this person that was just doing things based on experience because this was the time where, you know, the YouTube entrepreneur and the blogger was just kicking, you know, like just just after uh, 2008, 2009, 2010, 11, 12, around that period, you'd see more and more of these people like, yeah, you know, I share my experience. I do this and do that, even though I think that's great. I wanted to back it with some knowledge, you know, some packaged knowledge. And like for me, it was more focused on understanding psychological principles, understanding coaching principles. And so the more I read, the more I got that confidence. And naturally, I started to speak about these things as well. Um, so yeah, that's that's where I got up to. So I guess so the whole sort of like entrepreneurship thing started from about 2014. Read the book Rich Dad Poor Dad in like two days. Told the person who told me about it. They hadn't finished it. Was surprised, but then that took me on this whole journey of almost getting into property investing, almost doing trading, doing public speaking, doing some mentoring and coaching, doing all this, doing network marketing as well. I can't forget that. That was an experience in itself. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Trust me, bro. Um, so it just just for like two or three years, I would say about two, two and a half years, I was just immersed in this world. And I felt like it was a bit cultish almost because I wasn't thinking for myself. I was trying to mold my thoughts around this language that I consistently saw in books and, yeah. and YouTube videos and stuff. I think it was 2015 where... Um, I had ended my sort of job um, in uh, St. George's as a change manager, project manager. Um, but I couldn't, I didn't have anywhere to go back to because it was a common. And the place I came from was an agency role. So once it finished, it was finished. Now they did offer me sort of like, uh, allow me to continue. But I said no, because I hated it so much. Um, and then a number of different health things happened to me. So I developed something called pericarditis, which was an infection to the heart wall, which basically meant, I don't even know how to explain it, man. It's like really tight contractions to the chest. If you lie down, it hurts. If you sit upright, it hurts. So I had to consistently sit at a, a what's it called? 145 degree angle or 35 degree angle. I think that's more accurate. Um, just to feel sort of like comfortable. After that, about three weeks afterwards, um, I had to get a cyst taken out of my shoulder. And so... It was like six months of just literally doing nothing and just me and my thoughts. And every time I tried to do stuff, I say God, but a voice or maybe my imagination was like, Mike, you better sit your ass down because you can't do nothing right now. Stop trying to be Superman. Um, And so stop the network marketing. Obviously, I couldn't use my hands because it's out of action. And with that in mind, it was just me and my thoughts. So me trying to do this whole property thing, I was like, Mike, you need to stop that. That's not really you. Me trying to do this trading thing, again, it didn't feel natural. And so I remember going to a Andy Harrington event. Um, it was Jet Set Speaker Public uh, Speaker University. And he said something that was really, really key to me. He was like to me, you can make money from your ideas, i.e. your intellectual property. And I thought, man, what? Oh. That's deep, you know. Powerful. Power. That is crazy. 
Like, make money from your ideas. And so, conceptually, I already knew this, but I needed someone to say it. And so I started to start thinking about, uh, you know, coaching a bit more, mentoring a bit more, public speaking, books, courses, all of that kind of stuff. I was like, I can do this. I've got the knowledge. And I guess confidence was part of the issue. So what really helped to imbue my confidence even more was after I, you know, recovered from this uh, surgery and I got a job last minute, I went to a Les Brown event at the end of the year in 2015, paid for a VIP ticket and I put up my hand to ask him a question, not knowing what I was going to ask him. And uh, he imitated my voice and was like, before I answer your question, you've got a great speaking voice. Are you mad? Les Brown saying that to you. <laughs> oh, <sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> Fair, that got me gassed. You, you must have been gassed. <laughs> Me, listen, I want to come back and listen. If anyone has said anything to me, listen, do you know who just told me i got a good speaking voice? <laughs> I don't want to hear nothing. <laughs> even on my, or even on my, um, if you had an event or a flyer, you'd yeah. be like, Les Brown said I had a good speaking voice. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm not gonna lie. It just, it, it got me excited, and you know, so, I, I, so I'm guessing. So I'm guessing on the back of that, him giving you that validation mm. because you said you were struggling with a little bit of self confidence. Yes, and you know, that power at the time and obviously on the back of what Andy Harrington has said mm -hmm. and then what Les Brown has said now, mm -hmm. you're literally, that fire is in your belly. Yeah. So so now we've got to fire that mic. Yeah. Um, and what's next? What how, how, how do we get from there? Well, do you know what? Number one, Les Brown still hasn't given me the photo with him. It was a group photo and I've been pestering them for years. So I'm trying to get that photo. Do you know what I mean? Get that evidence there. But anyway, that's a different story. The second thing is... You know, what does Mike do? He takes action. He takes action. So I started up a YouTube channel straight away. And it wasn't to, you know, get views and everything else, even though that would have been nice. But it was to uh, practice my public speaking. Because I was thinking, how can I start this public speaking thing? Les Brown was like, speakers speak. Such a simple concept, but it's true. And so I just wanted to get myself out there in terms of practicing. And, you know, my first videos, I've taken them down now. <laughs> but I maybe... Why? Why, why, why? why, though? Do you know what? I'm going to put them back up because I had this long argument in terms of making sure that I want people to see the progression and journey. That's really important to me. However, right now I'm going through this strategic thing where I'm rebranding the YouTube and everything else. And mm -hmm. so I'm going to reintroduce it because people are really bougie when it comes to YouTube right now. Really bougie. So the strategy is to slowly start to release them back up again. But don't worry, like, I'm not going to get rid of them. Like, I'm too precious. Nah, I'm too precious about it. Do you know what I mean? Because it's like, that's my that's the beginning of my journey. So um, if you don't see them, like, within the next year or so, like, put me on it. Like, put me on definitely, it. I will hold you accountable to this. Please do, please do. Because, because I, always, I always think that, you know, even if you're doing... Even just say with this podcast in general, right? This is the this will be the fourth episode mm -hmm. um, or third episode, and what's going to happen even with these sessions mm -hmm. going forward is like I will suck mm. on the first one, mm. but the second one will be the second worst, and that will be the third worst, mm -hmm. and then after a year of consistently doing this, I will suck less and less. Mm. So obviously, it's it's really good that you're showing obviously that progression. Mm -hmm. and I know it must be so jarring sometimes to hear yourself talk, um, just 
just back when you probably it's like going back and looking at your old Facebook tweets, okay. um, posts or whatever. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, I was talking to my wife the other day and we were talking about chat up lines, you know, mm. and when I first met her, the first kind of messaging and how I used to talk was mm. I was just so 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 wrong, so cheesy, like literally, but you learn and this is where you've kind of grown and you can kind of see that progression. But I will hold you accountable to that. Yeah, please do. And to your point of the cheesy lines, it works. Do you know what I mean? And so sometimes our perception of what we think things are are not necessarily what they are. There's a difference between, I'm going to say, um, I don't want to say reality because that's still initially perception, so to speak. Mm. But results, I guess, observable results in that sense, which can be open to interpretation even. And so... With that in mind, so I started set up the YouTube channel, blah, 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 posted it on Facebook. 2016, got my first speaking engagement. It was a, a charity, a paid gig. It was from somebody at church. I was really grateful for it as well. And then I started to get, I wouldn't say a flurry of speaking engagements, but they started to come in regularly and I started to film them. And, and so I had my girlfriend and my sister who basically were filming my stuff and they couldn't film. I would use a tripod and my phone and then I eventually got a bit more sophisticated and then, you know, got a lapel mic and another phone and recorded it and then just synced the, all of that kind of stuff. And so that started to grow. And so I, I, I think I jumped onto Instagram in 2017 because everyone was like, Michael, you need to go onto Instagram. It's so your thing, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, for me, I'm just like, nah, man, if it's popular, I don't want to know, you know, that that's usually my initial sort of stance and I think there's an inner rebel in me that just doesn't want to be a sheeple if that makes sense or follow the crowd um but after like because they started this nagging in 2015 after like two years of nagging I jumped on September 2017 Um, I was like okay this is cool and I stuck to posting every single day for two years and I started to see growth I started to see growth and you know more people started to you know how it goes you know people dm you and that kind of stuff um, but then I started to feel a weight, I realized, you know, number one, I wasn't getting the growth I wanted to get. But two, I was like, even though I'm starting to get mentoring clients, I wouldn't call them coaching clients. They were more mentoring. I was mentoring people with their personal brand and stuff. I felt like the niche I was in, i.e. personal development stuff, didn't really benefit me financially. Okay. And so I started to think to myself, do you know what? Let me teach people what I've taught myself in terms of social media, email marketing, funnel development, a little bit of branding here and there, you know, all of that kind of stuff and help them position themselves as a, as a brand in their niche. You know, I, I, the information was sound in terms of what I was giving, but I just felt like this was more monetizable, more commercial, if you want to call it that. Um, and so... I went down this sort of like journey of becoming a business coach or business consultant because so-and-so said I could be, <laughs> you know. Online. Um, but then I would say quite recently, even, even as close to last year, I started to realize that, number one, I know my stuff. Like, that's, that's undisputable in that sense. Number two, I helped way too many people for free when it came to this stuff. And you're seeing some of these people excel even further than I'm excelling. But number three, it's almost like, did it really fit my personality or what I truly wanted to do? Was it was I being honest to myself? Do you know what I mean? Was it just focused on the money? And I think money obviously overshadowed me heavily. And so it was last year where 
I was going to set up two events. One event where nobody, I got no ticket sales. That has never happened to me. Like you could ask people at university. I used to throw events at uni. It used to be sold out. 400, 500 people there and people would come and attend. But this was the first time nobody like bought a ticket to my event. How did that, how did that, sorry to interject, but no worries, man. Just, just, I just want to kind of explore that mindset and that, that feeling. How, how did that make you feel? I mean, you're saying to me, you go from this stature where you, you're in previous engagements that you've held or hosted, you were reveling and you've gone to this position where you've got no ticket sales. Did you mm-hmm. see it as, it's, it's obviously in your eyes, you see it as failure or a lesson learned? Mm. It's a good question. So I think for me, and just to give you some context, I was developing the rhythm and system of, I guess, making sure that I was seen. You know, you set up the events. It's kind of like what you saw on my carousel the other day. I was developing that system because it had worked for me before in the past, in a way, so to speak. And so my ego was bruised. Can't lie to you. My ego was bruised. But I was like, okay, cool, Mike. You're telling people this stuff. How are you, you going to take this? You just have to take it on the chin and think about what do you need to change? Now, during that time, so I have a partnership with my friend, another guy called Mike. We have a company called Defareco. And effectively, that's the business arm, you know, of helping entrepreneurs or self-starters actually start developing their businesses and everything else. And so we were going to do an event and we're always talking about mad ideas here and there, blah, blah, blah. We're going to put on this event. And um, last minute, he just didn't want to do it. He just felt uncomfortable about numbers and stuff. And I was like, no, like people are waiting for this. We went back and forth over like three weeks. It didn't happen. And so in my mind, I'm like, wow. So in a year, two events have not fallen through. And okay, nobody had said anything to me. But I felt, I felt embarrassed. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you're trying to be this person. You're showing potential. I had done this amazing talk at the Best You Expert at the beginning of of the year. Spent crazy money on it. (laughs) But it was a good uh, experiment to understand how do people see me? Because even then, at the beginning of 2019, people were seeing the business side, but they were drawn to this motivational personal development guy. This black enigma who was giving people this sense of hope, direction, and practicality. So that was playing on my mind as well. And so, you know, I'm, I'm going back and forth, but, you know, I started this book called Gusto back in 2010 and 11, initially on Tumblr, and Gusto was about social intelligence, even though I didn't call it that back then. It was about communication, relationships, maybe some Machiavellians, Machi, Machi, I can't even say, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> side of things like really understanding the human psyche and how to position yourself a certain way. It was, you know, low-key leadership and also things around success and all that. I needed to bring that stuff back, you know. And so last year, around June, July, I said, that is it. I don't want to hear another Gary V video about content, content, content. I don't want to see, you know, Grant Cardone. I don't want to see a Ty Lopez. I don't want to see nobody. I put everything on mute. And so people thought that there was something wrong with me. <laughs> you know, my, 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 my sister thought there was something wrong with me. My girlfriend thought there was something wrong with me. My friend, my business partner and friend thought there was something wrong with me. But progressively over the four months, I thought everything was right with me. Because this was the first time 
where I had truly committed to just doing what my body wanted to do. I was going based on my mood, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. You know? yeah. And so that started to determine and highlight and reveal to me my preferences, what I liked, what I didn't like. And eventually it got to a point over the four or five months where I was like, okay, you know what you like, what you don't like? What are you looking to do now? I remember even meeting up with Emmanuel around that time. And, you know, he was telling me about the Channel 4 gig and, you know, he was doing some great things. And it was a great conversation. But when it came to me, I was like, I'm just chilling, you know. (laughs) And my man was like, all right, yeah. (laughs) And I know he didn't mean anything by it, but, you know, I I had that look. He had that look of, Rob, boy, what's wrong with you? (laughs) Do you know what it is? I think... You know, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned this because I've just posted something up on the Golden Circle page, mm. um, on the Twitter, mm-hmm. and basically it just says if if a storm is heading for your boat, mm. you know, um, basically your only option is is to die. Trust me. Um, don't worry though. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, mm-hmm. your only option is to drown. But don't mm-hmm. worry. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you have to die to be reborn. Age and sometimes. What you're what you're explaining to me now, mm-hmm. that four month period is your rebirth. Yeah, this is your time for you to, as you said, the universe is telling you whether people or that energy, whether people believe in God or don't, or yeah, or you know, however you see things, mm-hmm. um, it's telling you that you need to slow down, and this mm-hmm. is where the purpose that you're going. So whatever that energy is, it's not balanced. Mm-hmm. So. It throws it throws spanner spanners in your in, in like in your life, and these are the opportunities that you have. Do you know, people always say, you know, if you pray for patience, you don't get patience. Mm-hmm. You get the opportunity to be patient. Mm-hmm. So low key, you you were asking me for like direction, or you were asking energy for some kind of sign or some kind of re like purpose mm-hmm. or that sense of things, and it seems like. You got that. You got mm. that chance to no noise. You got mm-hmm. silence, mm. and that's the way it's golden, isn't it? And I'm guessing you, you you're starting that that rebirth was probably the best time for you. It, it really was, and I love the plug to Golden Circle there. <laughs> have to, have to, have to. Always, everything we do. But you know what? It, it, it came. You're right. It did come at a good time because you know, in the background like for about at least a year and a half, I had this career battle as well about being more honest about my career, you know, within the NHS. There's so much value I've provided in the NHS. And I know that I can provide that value, whether that's from a management perspective, a problem-solving perspective, a commissioning perspective, and implement. I know I provide value wherever I go. I create my sort of environment or I create myself in order to be a commodity even though no one's indispensable in that sense. Like I created that sort of like outlook and people saw that. And so what I'm saying is at that point, I was starting to think about my career more. I was starting to think about training more. Something just fell through in terms of professional qualifications as well, in terms of coaching and mentoring. And I got the NHS to pay for that. And so it it happened at a time where a new window, a new door had started. And so like you said there, how the ship, was hit by the storm and I had to drown. In psychology, we know that we know that's an existential crisis. And 
if you look at the sort of like graph of it's called two dimensions of growth model, you have doing and being. And so I was doing a lot of doing, but not doing a lot of being. And so that four months was the being phase where I had to really reconnect, look at my experiences and evaluate to understand my sense of meaning in order to guide my sense of purpose. So do you feel like within that time of you, obviously you had that before your existential crisis, before mm-hmm. everything, when things were going correct, obviously you said that last year you had a, a big talk mm-hmm. and things were going the way that you envisioned them to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously you had your two um, events fall through. Was that another Michael or was this the Michael that we're seeing today? Ah, oh, love that question. That's a really good question. I think for me, I, let me let me let me change it. I don't think it's necessarily another Michael. It was a less uh, honest Michael. Okay. So okay. I'm a pretty honest guy. You know, most people, most of my friends will be like, yeah, Michael, just say it as it is. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and this is not me trying to be rude, but I feel like it's good for you, like medicine, yeah? Of course. And with this in mind, the reason why I was a less honest Michael is because I didn't make an honest decision early enough. Does that make sense? So, yeah, it does. Because I didn't make an honest decision early enough, it was always going to blow up at some point. It was always going to. That's what I believe. Whether that's true or not, I I believe that. Now, it doesn't mean I'm not going to use like the business stuff and everything else at some point, but I want the foundations to be correct. And so last year, around the, uh, uh, you know, during the four month period or whatever it is, and I started the coaching training and stuff, that's when the foundations were being built for me. You know, and I had a number of things that were being done, even financially. I was paying off huge sort of like loans that I had taken out towards business and mentorship. And like I've done all of that kind of stuff. So when people say investing, I like I really understand it. But there's a caveat to all of that stuff. There really is. And so I think because I started that quite early, you know, I thought I could pay myself or pay my way into success because I was trying to change my family tree. I was trying to change my situation, but really I needed to start with myself, really focus on that silence you were talking about and really understand what is it that I'm about? And I came to the conclusion through that existential crisis and through the coaching training that it's about living a life of authenticity. And bro, that word used to piss me off. I'm not even gonna lie. Everybody was like, oh, be authentic, you know, all this stuff. I even threw out in the, in, in the coaching, a professional coaching training that I had with my group. And um, eventually I grew to love the word because I realized that I was seeking that. But the way I define authenticity is being honest to yourself. Exactly. Right. Which is the hardest, which is the hardest thing to do. Yeah. It's the hardest thing to do because even though you might have one version of yourself that you think you're being honest mm-hmm. to, but that's not the, that's not your true self. Mm-hmm. And the only time sometimes you only know your true self is when you go through, as you say, existential crisis, mm-hmm. or you go through some kind of trauma, or mm-hmm. someone else brings it out of you, because mm-hmm. you don't know your true self until that opportunity comes to show that that true self. So a mm-hmm. bit like, I mean, sorry to take the the cloud and make it dark, <laughs> but it's a bit like serial killers, mm. you know, in this sense. They they don't know that they have that inner that inner demon or whatever they call that, that inner beast inside them mm. until they get triggered. 
So it's a bit like until you are triggered to pull out that version of you, you mm-hmm. won't know. So people might say, you know me, I'm myself, I'm this, I'm that, I don't care about this, I don't care about opinions, I don't care about... But you do. Mm. You yeah. know, and this is the lying that we're consistently doing to ourselves. So, I mean, coming back onto your story, I mean, you're you've gone through this this epiphany. So, I'm guessing this is your epiphany bridge. Yeah, being where I should be, where I can go. How mm. do you? So I've got two questions. It's a two part mm. question. First mm. of all, is how do you pick yourself up and start rebuilding yourself in that mm. sense? If you kind of figuring you don't really know where you should be and two how does this affect your work career and that balance yeah i hear what you're saying so uh it's a cop-out answer but i'm going to explain what i mean so you have to you have to so the process started when i decided to stop everything stop posting stop talking to people stop watching stupid videos that really sort of like created this false sense of imagination I had to stop everything. And so going through that process of allowing my body to do what it felt was the process I need to go to, go through, sorry. And so what that meant is that I had an intimate relationship with understanding my preferences, okay? Because once you have that intimate relationship, then you start to know what you want to tolerate and what you don't want to tolerate. And so again, as I've stated before, I always say you need to know what you want, what you don't want, but what you're willing to compromise. And so that compromise comes from understanding what you want. So once I know that I'm being honest to myself, then I can say, this is what I want to do. This is exactly what I want to do, you know. And that, that, that can only be revealed to me based on examining what you have done before and what didn't work and what did work. And so I'm not saying that because things didn't work out before in the past, I shouldn't try them again. What I'm saying is the approach needs to be honest. That's the difference. That's the difference. And so when coming to the career thing, again, that interlinks really well in the sense that I needed to openly and outwardly be honest about the fact that I was in the NHS. You know, even I think to date, you know, I've been in the NHS for about 10 years plus. And so I've got experience to show. Like, why am I hiding this for? Why am I trying to? It's not that I was lying, but it could have been perceived that, you know, Oh, Mike's doing some amazing things. He's, you know, killing it in the game. He's not working. But, like, nobody really went deep on asking those questions. And, again, I remember when uh, Emmanuel and I did the Good Jalof podcast, talking about how people can be superficial when it comes to the Insta life. And so you could argue, as a content creator, especially having a personal brand, that's the image I'm given as well. I remember I had one coaching client back in the day and he was like, Rob, well, I thought you were rich, you know. That, that's how he said it. I thought you were rich. I was like, I'm just, I'm just a humble human being, bro. <laughs> like, I'm just trying to get by and live my dreams and change the world, <laughs> you know. So <laughs> with that in mind, like, I don't want people to get a false idea. And so, again, I started to talk more about that stuff. And again, my girlfriend and my sister had continued to say, I don't get why you don't talk about the fact you've worked in the NHS, you've done so many projects and programs and led them and blah, you need to do it. You know, sometimes my girlfriend will go over the top and be like, yeah, you've done it. I'm like, calm down. I haven't done all of that. But (laughs) (laughs) it's good to know you've got my back. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, it's just, I think to answer your question, that's that I had to, it's the trusting the process 
and allow my body to feel the experience of life to know my preferences intimately. So we, we talk about process. Yeah. Um, that word props up all the time, you know, or that phrase, trust in the process. Mm-hmm. Did you have a time frame with your process or was it just like, I'm, I'm an open book and wherever the universe takes me, I go? That's exactly what it was. And that's what the, I, I really meant, trust the process. So the process was having an open book. Yeah. So every t- so, But you have to realize something here. Like, eventually, it gets to a point. You know, I was talking about the two dimensions of growth model. Yeah. Because I understood that so well, I knew it was always going to get to a point where I was like, okay, what's the goal? <laughs> yeah. You know, I that that's me. I'm always about goals. Like, I need to do this. And if it's not a big goal, at least it's a task that I need to do. So I started to think like that. And I guess, could you argue I was creating micro resistance towards that in a way yes i would say it was creating micro resistance towards setting up the goals because i start i was enjoying this freedom life I, i felt like i wasn't being imprisoned but then i felt like i was imprisoning myself by having that freedom life because look if if you don't if if your goal in the morning the next day is not to have a shower (laughs) <laughs> you're gonna have problems my friend <laughs> you know what I mean? please tell me what house that is so i can ask if i can stay <laughs> so I'm, I'm guessing the mindset was then basically it was fuck the when and it was just 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 go with process and yeah. let's keep that trust so processes and how you're seeing it and how you're defining it is finite because you're still on that process yeah where you need to go yeah. So how do you keep your chin up when you're not seeing those results? So if if just say, as I say, you said you've stopped reading these books. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I found is a lot of people on Instagram or social media, they would say, tell people, trust in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they would give them them t- their, their timeline. So at the moment, when you've got your coaches mm-hmm. and you, they're telling them, you know, 10 years um, or how long it's taken you to get there, but then you're saying trust in the process. Do you find that as a bit of a conflict sometimes? Do you find that people say, well, this person's done it in two years, so I need to be in here in a year? Or mm. how, how, how hard do you find it to to not put a time on it, on, on your success? That's a good question. So I guess there's so many things loaded in that. So I guess you have to understand in this bit of the process or the journey, depending on how you're seeing it and the intercalated, I guess actually to break it down, this was more of a journey for me in the four months. It starts becoming a process when I start going into doing. So to give you an example, I was in being at that stage. I'm currently in doing. So it's all about, you know, process now. It's all about timescales. It's all about that stuff. But when you're in the being phase, you can't rush that. And so when it comes to coaching clients, I have to be specific and make sure that I'm not taking on anyone that needs counseling potentially. They may not need coaching at that time. They may even need a mentor to have an actual conversation to talk about certain stuff. Again, as a coach, I'm doing very different things because I'm being guided by the code of ethics for the EMCC, ILM and ICF as well. And so what I would say to people is you have to recognize what sort of area or part or dynamic you're in. Are you in being or are you in doing? And what I mean by that is, are you busy Are you productive? Do you find yourself saying, oh, I need to do this by this time. I need to do this by that. You're in, you're in doing, it's clear, you know, 
being is where you're just like, you're chilling, listening to music, don't really do much after work. If you're compelled to do it, you'll do it. If not, it's not really a big deal. You start thinking about, you know, what does life mean to you? You start thinking like that. And so it's about recognizing what state and area you're in. Um, otherwise, the process thing doesn't necessarily work because you're not thinking about time scales, oh. you know. And even to an extent, I would argue, even if you are in a doing phase, depending on your level of maturity about how you assess life, there are time scales in it, but overall, there's never a time scale apart from when you die, <laughs> you know. Of course. And, and, and so I think it's Simon Seneca talks about this, the, the infinite game, you know. Yeah. Those people who have finite sort of like, you know, deadlines and everything else, they're always going to be, they're always going to lose because there's an end. But if you're infinite in terms of your mentality, it's just a continuous process. And so, you know, you almost own the game. You own the chessboard, so to speak, in that sense. So, I mean, shout out to Simon Sinek. He was the reason we started the Golden Circle. Oh, wow. Um, and yeah, because his his whole philosophy is around why. Yeah. Why, why do you do what you do? Yeah. Um, why and how, you know, um, that's obviously it's what you do, how yeah. you do it. But the ultimate question is always start with why. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, I'm going to ask you a question. So why, why help people? Why, why coaching? Why, why, why was that? Was that an inner, was that in a craving for recognition or was that just something that you was always in your ethos? Yeah, so that's a good question. So to come back to Simon Sinek very quickly, so he developed that from the format formula, um, Mm. how, when, why, and something else, and also from uh, Dilt's hierarchy, if you've ever checked that out. Um, And so so to answer your question, there's two things, really. I think the I'm specifically focusing on coaching because I want people to understand that they're more than their situation. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I've always had this thing where I said to people, you know, position people for a system for success. There's something in that. You can be positioned. You can utilize some sort of system, whether it's um, artistic or creative or scientific in nature or practical. And you have to define what that success looks like. And so for me, I felt like I could become another agent, an agent of change that can enable people to be more superior than what they think they are. And that stemmed from my own life experiences based on how things started with me. It stemmed from what I saw. It stemmed from conversations that I had with individuals that really put themselves down, but I actually put them on a pedestal and saw that with the right level of conversation, you could actually enable them to develop creative insights and make changes. And so once I understood, like I I love frameworks in the sense that if there's a framework where you could do this again and again and again and again, I'm going to use it. Why? It works. It's proven. And so coaching was that model for me. Um, And so this is why I'm sticking specifically with coaching at the moment, at least. I'm not saying it's going to last like this forever, but I'm always going to use coaching principles. And to be fair, I kind of always have. I'm just more formalized and professional about it now because I've got these accreditations and getting more accreditations under my belt. And I'm stuck to these code of ethics. So I just feel like it's a better way. You know, it's, you know, the sort of practice, the practices are solutions for improving culture, for improving leadership, for improving your uh, family situation. Um, there's a book called The Everyday Leader. 
all leadership is based around coaching principles. Yeah. All of it, you know? And so once I started to put and connect the dots together, I realized coaching's the way forward. Like real coaching, not, yeah, I'm helping people, blah, blah, what I was doing before. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, like proper professional coaching yeah. that's backed by uh, a governing body and quality assured. Now, I'm not saying that for those people who haven't done that stuff, that they're not good coaches. I don't think that's fair because Tony Robbins is a fantastic example of that, yeah. you know, but, and, and, and I would also say Brendan Burchard as well. Yeah. But in, in addition to that, I would argue that if you can quality assure what you're doing, you're improving yourself as a person as well, you know, um, and, and you're doing a service, I guess to those people, I guess you find it important, but then when it comes down to it, most people don't really care anyway. I just want to say that to ask your second part of the question, in terms of like, um, sort of like getting myself out there and all of that kind of stuff, I definitely want to get myself out there. Uh -huh. You know, that's that 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 fires the ego. I want to be known as the person who can help the masses in a really potent way. Uh -huh. I realize there are so many cats doing it, and so I, <laughs> you understand. So you know, I have to understand what my lane looks like and focus on doing what I'm doing. And I've built in so many mechanisms where. I need to distance myself. I need to create, my sister says all the time, you're creating your own lane. There have been so many times, so many times where people have used my stuff or copied my stuff or they've kind of spoken to me for a couple of months and they kind of ditched me or, you know, we've been working on something and then all of a sudden they're using that name or they're doing this or they're doing that or whatever it is. And how, how does that, how does that, again, I'm just going to, uh, I love to interject just to understand the mindset while you're still on the point. Yeah. Uh, how, how does that make you feel like you, you've come up with something yeah. and someone else has used that or, you know, um, I mean, I'm guessing there's some part of you that's proud, but there's also some parts of you <laughs> that feels a bit used. Yeah. 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 People have used me. And so I guess it's, it's exactly what you said. Part of me is like, Mike, you're, you're, like your source is, is fantastical, you know, like <laughs> it works. Do you know what I mean? I'm not chatting rubbish. But in the same token, it's like, but I'm I'm where I'm at. Like I'm progressing and I'm doing I'm building things a certain way. And I think maybe that's why progression isn't as fast as I wanted it to be before. However, it still pisses me off from time to time. I mean, just going back on just going back on what you said previously. Mm -hmm. So you're saying that there have, you've had people that you've coached for free, um, yeah. people that you've talked about um, that you've kind of take, taken under your wing. and yeah. They've excelled sometimes even past you yeah. growth-wise and stuff. Does that still great on you today or does that make you still sceptical to helping or do you think it's more like, okay, I've got to have this business. So it's like your trust factor. If someone yeah. comes along who has the potential with mm -hmm. the good intentions, do you still... Mm -hmm kind of you know there's still a bit of a, a distance a wedge between you and that person or do you feel like you're still the same open mic yeah that's a very good question i think you kind of uh, alluded to it it comes down to clarity and intention so if you have a good sense of clarity in terms of what your intentions are and there's no sort of like i i felt like there's always been like great areas in developing new relationships and stuff like that. If there's no gray area, and let's say, for example, I'm coaching you for free because I want to and you surpass me, why would I care about that? That was my choice. 
Yeah. If anything, I'm I'm happy for you. But if it's a thing where, you know, you're, you're kind of asking low-key questions, but then it's not really a question, but yeah, 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 we're friends or, or we're partners or whatever it is. And, you know, and then once you go, you go, you just duck, yeah? <laughs> I can imagine one of, one of your coaching courses and someone's got like a recorder out. I said, no, 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 don't worry, it's not on, man. I remember somebody did a podcast with me and they, they actually did that, but it went so bad um, that you could hear the feedback um, because they were recording it on their phone whilst they were recording it on, on, on Zoom. So it was just, yeah, it was terrible. Um, but anyway, point being made is that, um, yeah, I think it's clarity and intention. And so if your intentions are clear, I think it's so important. And so for me, like I talk about this all the time uh, when it comes to sort of like friendships and stuff. And I have like a criteria and I know it sounds crazy and I don't follow this criteria like religiously or whatever it is, but it's stuff I look out for. So number one, proactive outreach. I think that's key. Okay. How, like, are you making an effort to actually check out, you know, how I am and all that kind of stuff there. Responsiveness is the second thing. I know I'm bad, but I never used to be this bad. I feel like I've been conditioned this way. I used to respond straight away to stuff, but now I'm like, no, I need to protect my energies. <laughs> number, number three is a certain level of emotional intelligence. And for those who are um, learned in this area, it's split up into four different grids. How do you manage yourself and your emotions? How do you respond to different situations? How do you also manage relationships? And how do you sort of build those relationships as well? So that's important. Uh -huh. The fourth thing uh, is empathy. So do you show some sort of level of care? Like, do you care about this thing that we've got going on? Yeah. Um, that's another thing. Fifth thing is loyalty. So how loyal are you to me and the cause? Like, you know, them weird sort of situations where you have friends meet, but then they talk to the friend more and it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care, but I care. <laughs> you know, um, then there's ambition. I think that's self-explanatory. Self honesty has to be in there. I can't not put honesty in there. Yes. But I, I guess the last thing is communication. Like, do you communicate? Like, or are you leaving things to assumption? And this you communication, know? I'm guessing, is effectively. Trust me. Not for the sake of talking. Exactly. Like, you know, like it, it needs to be effective communication. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in, in psychology slash coaching, they, they call that, I think it is communication is developed through or good communication relations developed through building trust and rapport. So you move from a transactional relationship, which is basically focused on rituals, uh, facts and all of that kind of stuff and moving more into transformational relationships and conversations which more focus on feelings and emotions, higher ideals and concepts, and all of those kind of things as well. Um, so those are the things I subconsciously, but obviously now consciously understand, look for in my relationships, whether that's friendship or a partnership or whatever it is. So just to follow up on that. So, I mean, you've gone through, it's taken you a lot, a, a while to get to this stage and you've had your criteria set out and I'm mm. guessing it's over reading and experiencing different things mm -hmm. um is there any i mean obviously you say subconsciously and consciously so i'm guessing there is a, a level of flexibility with that but sometimes mm -hmm. do you find yourself um being very rigid in that approach or do you find yourself sometimes okay just letting the universe take its time and sometimes this person could be a good person they just need to you know 
maybe there might be a little bit of a, a time or patience from your end? Yeah, that's a good question. So <laughs> a good story about patience, and I'll come back to what you're saying, but at seven years old, I went to a Bible study and I picked one virtue out of a hat and the Bible study teacher said to me, you've got patience, you're going to have to work through with this throughout your life. And so I'm one of those individuals who are crazy patient, but I will complain. <laughs> I will complain. And I'm not afraid to say it. On the track, I would always complain, but I would always do the work. was never afraid of work in that sense. And so in answer to your question, the principles that I came up with or the criteria I came up with primarily came from my experiences today, yeah. less so from books. Yeah. I don't always consciously think about them, but there are sort of results or actions or reoccurrences that will remind me that, oh, snap, this person doesn't really communicate with me. I have friends that I'm still friends with years on later that are rubbish communicators. Oh. I just value their friendship. It's not enough for me to be like, nah, forget them. Like, what's that about? Let's look, like, I've sp spoken to so many sort of older people and what they consistently say is that there are no new friends. So Drake was ch chatting the truth. Like, <laughs> no new friends at all in that sense. And, and so with that in mind, I think the criteria for me is how do they resonate or align to my values? Their sense of values don't necessarily have to be the same, but... Do they disrupt my values? Do they enhance or are they in harmony? Like, it doesn't have to be perfect. Like, I don't really necessarily believe in that absolute version of it. For me, perfection is reality. That's what it is. Do you know what I mean? So in that sense, I'm not too hard on it. It's only if someone's wronged me. Like, I feel like they should have known better because I'm a principled person. And I think sometimes my principles are what close or end relationships or reduce the communication at least. So, I mean, Drake has come out and said this no new friend stuff and people have taken that literally. <laughs> and I feel like sometimes in, in, in this kind of navigation system, but you know, Drake can say new, no new friends when you're worth 250 million. <laughs> like, trust me, uh, I wouldn't have no new friends after that. Trust um, me. <laughs> but if, if you're a young you know, budding entrepreneur and not just entrepreneur, but just a young budding being in this yeah. world. And people tell you your net worth is your network or your network is your net worth or the other way around, either way. Mm -hmm. But how, how does that fill into things? You know, we have to get out there and we have to, do you think that makes our, our life a lot more transactional? So when people do speak to people, it's always for something. Again, I, I, I feel like, based on experience so far, the more you age and the more you create this gravitas towards uh, an ideal perception of success, the more likely you're going to have transactional relationships disguised as transformational relationships. Uh -huh. uh -huh. And, you know, this is because we're so sucked into this media age where information is just flying about everywhere. And so... People are learning strategies about how to form relationships. People are, you know, reading books about it. And all. look, just be yourself, man. Was it Wiki How? How to make friends? <laughs> yeah, how to make friends people. Just, like, it's just, it's crazy and it's not crazy at the same time. And so there is a wariness. As you start to climb that mountain, that starts to happen more. And so I, I, I believe what Drake is saying. It doesn't mean new friends are not possible. Oh. But life has shown me that 
it's not necessarily friendships that are being formed. I think it's associations that are being formed, you know, yeah. uh, because as you, as you start to grow up and everything else, forming those relationships intimately and intricately is slightly harder because it's based on different values compared to what they were formed when you met your friends years ago, you know, based on your sort of like um, foundational sort of environments like yeah, school. You, had, you basically had less baggage. Yeah, you had less baggage. <laughs> it was easy. Yeah so, you, yeah, so you could take on two or three friends. Yeah, uh, exactly. But like now, like you're talking about partner, two or three yep. friends, kids, yeah, um, all this other <laughs> stuff, stress at work. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Yep. So, um, yeah, probably don't have space for that right now. But exactly. I mean, do you believe in offloading, or do you believe in sticking them till the end? If they've been your friend for 15 years and they give you no value, they don't fit any of your criteria. Do you ever offload? Yeah, but I think the value is defined at the beginning. Like I, I create this thing. I I liken this to something I call being an originist. Yeah. Which is you always have to understand the origins of that. And I know there's an actual psychological term for it, but I've forgotten what it is. I feel like it's when I find it, I'll let you know. Okay. Um, but um, yeah, how did the beginning start? That usually determines everything in my mind. Usually has. Maybe that's my bias, but I guess I'm happy with it, you know. And so <laughs> with that in mind, it's almost like there are no real rules. That's like my number one principle, so to speak, for a general sense. Like even when you said um, your, your, your net worth, your network is your net worth. Of course, there are elements of truth to that. But there are some people who take that so literally where they'll just share so much information that it will be damaging to them. Yeah. So it's how you approach these things. So understanding there are no real rules and that things are context-based helps me to decide what I need to do. And I'll be honest with you, because we're all about honesty here. Of course. I completely forgot your question. <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine. So basically, so we, we can we can we we can change it up. It doesn't really matter from my mm. side. I mean you you've mentioned success quite yeah. a lot of times. Um for you what what does success look like for you now you've been through the well you say the valley, one of the valleys of because mm. your life goes up and down. So what does success look like for you? So I would say success is reaching a level of satisfaction in different areas of your life. That's it, quite simply. And I know satisfaction seems like a very dry word. Oh. And if anyone can think of a more exciting word, then you can use that. It doesn't really matter. I think what I'm trying to say is, is that you need to create more happier moments in your life. Yeah. You know, that's what it's about. And I'm not saying the pursuit of happiness because that's nonsense. It's Good about film, though. Good film. It's a great film, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's about creating more happier moments. And so that comes down to understanding fundamental truths about yourself and about life. You know, the moment is truly what we have. The future doesn't necessarily exist. Einstein would agree with that when he talks about the theory of relativity. Um, Eckhart Tolle in his book, The Power of Now, talks about that. Because even if you're going to, and it's not because these guys talk about it, I've seen this fundamentally for myself. And so if you want to think about the future or aim for the future, you have to understand the future is now because even if you time traveled into the future, it'd still be your current moment. However, we have been given the faculty of imagination and thought and all of that kind of stuff there. So you have to use imagination in a certain way to create what you want 
your moments to look like? I was going to say future. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I mean, you say we, we we push out these big words, and when I say big, I don't mean in literal size, but I'm talking about like words like imagination and dream and yeah. ambition. Um, they are massive words because they come with a massive scope. And yeah. do you feel that people still have that ability to dream? Do you know when we were kids, we could really yeah. think, sit there and go, oh, do you know what? I want to be a fireman. Mm. But the dream, do you find the dream now is more based off what other people are, are achieving? I think in your um, sphere, in your story, you talk about 2009, 2008, those mm-hmm. times, you know, even when we start then, that Instagram and all these things weren't weren't popping then. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're saying that you joined Instagram in 2017. Mm-hmm. So that's only three years. Mm-hmm. In that time, we've seen the evolution of flossing. We've seen the <laughs> evolution <laughs> of show, like show-offs. We've seen the evolution of even entrepreneurship, you know, mm-hmm. and information. So mm-hmm. how do you feel that's kind of, you know, with regards to the ability to dream and to want more and to be more raw and how do you think that's still even in your coaches and in your coaches, do you find those now dreamers? Yeah, I, I guess so the process of coaching doesn't enable people to be superficial or to be clouded by what they think they want. And I say that specifically. What you think you want and what you want are two very different things. There's a void there. There's a gap. And so it's, for me, we're clouded heavily by, number ones, the responsibilities of life. I think the term is called adulting now. And number two, because, as you may have been alluding to, what we see on social media, what we see online, um, the fast pace of a metropolitan city as well and the Western world, and all of these th- things buzzing through your, 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 your face. And so if you at least removed the side of things where you were bombarded by information, I think you would have more of the capacity to dream, as it were, you know, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but I guess I, I, don't, I don't know whether people are ready for that. It's, it's crazy because on the weekend, um, I was speaking to... A uh, family member of mine, young young guy. I mean, he's nineteen he, mm-hmm. or eighteen. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Oh, okay. Well, what's going on? You know, the whole uni thing was coming out at the moment, and it was a case of, oh, well, I'm um, I'm trying to do this and do that, and I'm not really thinking about it. I want my results to come out. So I said, well, what what's next? What do you like doing? Mm-hmm. I said, well, you know, have you ever thought about doing coding or like going into game design? I'm. He said, I'm too old. Right. What, what do you mean? What do you, what do you mean too old? You know, he said, "Well, you know, Brad, I'm like I'm 18 now. If I really <laughs> wanted to be a superstar, I would have been. I should have been doing this from the sense of like 11 or 12." And at the first, first, like first, my reaction was exactly that. I, I'd laughed, but then mm-hmm. when I came home and I deeped it, I almost like my 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 eyes were welling up a bit because I'm thinking, mm-hmm. "That's sad." Mm-hmm. Here we are, young black educated, you know, smart boy, 100%, you know, got his head on his shoulders. Well, until then, I thought he had his head on his shoulders, but yeah, had his head on his shoulders, I guess. And in that sense, now he's telling me that, you know, certain things like dreaming, which costs Mm. nothing, Mm. is has been taken away from you 
or you feel that 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 isn't your right to do that so on obviously the the question i want to ask as well do you find that when you're talking to people just in general yeah. um that we have that kind of we've kind of limited ourselves to dream and to want more because of people have told us it's not good or yeah anything like that and did you have that as well when you were going through your rebirth did yeah. you have that because you had these massive ideas yeah no good question so i guess to answer that i would say the conditions to dream are difficult you know yeah. it's yeah. almost like people feel like they're not permitted or allowed to dream anymore mm. and it's a false ideology they've created in their minds you can dream and so if we're thinking about how the brain works in terms of the basal ganglia and how habits are formed and all of that kind of stuff, uh-huh. if you've consistently been told you can't do anything, you ain't nothing, you don't look like anything, blah, blah, all this kind of stuff, that's how you form your sense of perception. In uh-huh. psychology, we know this as scripts and schemas. And so with that in mind, it's like, well, of course you're going to, you've been programmed and conditioned not to dream Yeah. as time has gone on. And so as you were to your family member, you know, you, you almost gave them a snippet of potentially having the opportunity to dream. Yeah. And it's almost like you need more mentor-like coaching-like figures, and this is why I love coaching so much, where you can expand that horizon. Now, there are going to be elements of practicality that get involved, and it doesn't mean you can't dream. It just means you have to realistically dream. I think it is um, Napoleon Hill who talks about practical dreamers and so he talks specifically about having a specific vision statement and i think there are like nine chapters in his book think and grow rich but anybody who wants to read up on his book uh, success laws of success that's a more in-depth version of what he talks about it's a really good book yeah. um, but practical dreaming in that sense is important because there has to be a certain level of practicality about the dreaming state but you need to be able to explore the reins as well and so it's having that right balance. And so if you have the conditions to dream, whether that's a mentor, um, that could be in the form of family members or friends, accountability buddies, mastermind groups, action learning sets, books, YouTube videos, blah, 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 or coach, then you're more likely going to achieve. A lot of these guys who are smashing it right now have a rich uncle or parents, started very early, or it's a popularity contest because they were popular from the beginning. But for the normal bucks who <laughs> either cut off people quite early on or just didn't have that following, they have to struggle. And so they need more of an incentive to remember that they can dream if they ever remembered in the first place. You know, so we all can, but it's the conditions that have been set. And once we understand that we don't have to be subject to the dopamine spikes based on social media then that's when you truly are free. And this is why I consistently say, and I'll continue to say, be honest to yourself first, even before you're honest to anyone else. That level of authenticity and that level of just brutal honesty is so fundamental to your success. And it's so funny. As I went through that stuff in 2019, coming back to the point of dreaming, I used to set a, well, I do set a theme for every single year. And the theme for that year was honest impact. And I had to, I really thought about what I was going to like really focus on in terms of the theme. 
did I want to make an impact or did I want to be more honest to myself? And I thought, actually, honesty creates impact. Little did I know that I was going to go through an existential crisis. And so that has enabled me to understand that you can achieve your goals. You can achieve your dreams if you want to. But it's about making sure you create the conditions to enable that to happen. And, and if, if you can't do that, the best thing to do is go and get a zoo and take off your shoes and <laughs> the grass and literally just puff a dream into your, in, into, into your psyche because it, it works. <laughs> but I would say that just do it responsibly, people, please. Thank you. <laughs> I hear that, man, because sometimes you can't take life too seriously. I think that's another part of you know, if you want to call it success or it's the science of achievement, so to speak, these individuals have a childlike manner to them, you know. And it's funny because I did a YouTube video back at uni in 2010-11 and because I'm Ghanaian, I wanted to create a, a Ghanaian word, but in the philosophy science side of things. Oh. So I called it Kamen Kanka, <laughs> which... Kamen Kanka. Yeah, Kamen Kanka, which... In my, it doesn't mean anything, but to me, it means karmic energy. And so as a young buck, and I was likening this to my athletics and stuff, this karmic energy naturally allows flow to happen in your life. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So flow just kind of happens. You have talents, you have skills, things are just working out for you. But as you start getting through those awkward phases of your development and age in your life, you start to realize that you have to start doing things. And it's almost like you have to engineer that comic energy yourself. And so I believe that at a certain point, it's about creating that inner comic energy again so you can get that flow. And I believe that's, that's what we're all trying to do in some capacity, whether we recognize that or not. I'll give you an example. I have a really, really, really successful coaching client right now. You know, she's she's 29. She's worked for really um, big, big firms. She's got her own mortgage in London. Um, she's just making crazy amounts of money at such a young age. And she was just miserable. She's really miserable with life. Um, because she was working like 8 to 11 every single day. Yeah. Didn't have time for herself. And so she, want, she came to me because, not because she wanted to be more successful, so to speak, she wanted inner peace. She wanted to understand her values. She wanted to understand how to be more confident. All of these different things that were robbed from her because of COVID, because of some sessions that happened and because of some a lot of self-discovery work that she did for herself, she was able to work for this company that she really admired for free, consult for them, and now she's working for them as head of their business unit. Bro, like, and it took... It's because she took her growth and development seriously. She was creating her own karmic energy in that sense. She took it seriously. And so it didn't happen overnight, but it happened over at least six, seven months. She went through her existential crisis and she decided that she needed to go through a state of being and understand that this is how she wanted to live her life. And that was based on her values. She knew what her values were. And this is why it creates an efficiency when you start going through life. So do you think, would you recommend an existential crisis for everyone? Do you do you think everyone has to have a rebirth? I felt like this question was coming. And 
I think everyone gets some form of rebirth, yeah. um, no matter how big or small it is. Um, it's not a question of that they need an existential crisis. It's a question of potentially when they'll get an existential crisis, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and for many people, it, it's been a huge blessing, I guess. Um, but we all know you don't need an existential crisis to engineer success. Um, if some For some people, it's finding, let's say, for example, if it's a business, the right niche, the right time, the right market, the right commitment towards following a set level of principles and systems and having the right help as well, and maybe even the finances. You know, I think Oprah Winfrey says um, you should create your luck by preparing and blah, 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 all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, existential crisis is not required for success, but for many people, it started the birth of their success. And for many, it means they are relentless in their pursuit towards actually living the life that aligns to their values. So, I mean, you mentioned living the life, um, and that's key. And obviously that kind of links up to my next question, plus something you've previously said. You said you had one, one, uh, I would say, a coachee or probably um, a, a um, what do you call it, potential client. So mm-hmm. you had a potential client come and said, oh, I thought you were rich, you know? how do you find that battle because obviously at the moment now um there is a battle between that getting people on mainly young kids off the road get them mm-hmm. into you know something different getting them into owning businesses getting them into schools mm. or education how do you find that battle do you th- does that affect you in any way or because you know michael isn't out there showing off the rollies and you know, mm. and the, the, the cars and all this stuff that people must think, you know, well, he must be not talking real real life. He must be not be making money. So mm. that doesn't affect me at all. I, I really don't care anymore. Like before, there was a level where I did kind of, I wouldn't say I cared, but I was cautious because I felt like I was stepping into Grant Cardone, Ty Lopez, Gary V territory, if you want to call it that. Yeah. You know, the whole probably, business could gone. Probably more like, Grant Cardone, then it. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. More, yeah. More about life, I guess. I'm not letting Gary V off the hook, though. Oh, no, 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 no. They're, they're all, all three of them. <laughs> no, they're, they're blessed in their own way. But I think now, I think, you know, and again, as, a, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, aspiring and all that kind of stuff, you'll also recognize that there are going to be ideal clients. I can't be naive and stupid enough to say that I can help everyone. But in the same instance, I can also be naive enough to think I can help everyone. It's, it's, a, it's a crisis of duality, so to speak, in that sense. Um, and so I guess from a higher level, you're going to attract people who fit the criteria of your business, whether you express that coherently or not. And so I'm more likely going to you know, attract people who are similar to me high achievers or want to be high achievers at least people who are you know middle managers or senior managers uh, millennials most likely um even though i have done some gen x's as well um i'm going to be uh, uh approaching people who want to start a business so to speak uh maybe people slightly younger and for everyone else you can see my content and as you go through your development and maturity phase then maybe you may want my services but I may not be able to make you laugh a certain way. I may not be able to speak a certain way. I may not even be able to relate to you a certain way. But if you have a problem that 
fits a certain criteria, I know I can help you solve it. Seriously, I'm, I'm very confident with my results. I, I never guarantee results because coaching is not about guarantees, but it's about three things. Number one, raising your self-awareness. Number two, allowing you to understand the real expanded choices that you have in your life. And number three, making you solely responsible for your actions because you're committing to honest impact, like I stated before. Yeah. And so if I can do those three things for you, i.e. help you help yourself, you're going to achieve more. And that I didn't really understand that until I really sort of viewed that process. I would say middle end last, I would say the end sort of quarter or sec, but quarter three, at the end of quarter three onwards, until I really sort of like started that process and started to see the results and testimonials I was getting as well. So you've got, you've written four books. Yep. Um, your latest book is Power of Goals. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So just quickly, I mean, under the the premise of, of your books, are they all interlinked? Or was it a case of because obviously you would have, writ- you would have written these books pre- crisis post-crisis so Mm -hmm. do you have you noticed a shift in your terminology your tone when you're writing beautiful beautiful question so this of okay so three of the books are under the understand reach expand series which is my original philosophy Uh in life and these principles are the same actually it's quite funny they're actually quite the same um so they're, they're pretty good in terms of mindset management, the understanding happiness and what it is. And one of them is just pure motivation. Uh-huh. You know, the last one is focused on basically everything I talk about, but practicalizing it with templates, models, all of that kind of stuff. And in terms of whether the language has changed, not heavily, but I think the introduction of values has changed the perspective and added more meaning to it, I would say, even more meaning to it. Because these books were developed um, on my phone, on Google Docs for the last, I would say, eight months of the 11 months that I was writing the books for. Um, Yeah, that's a story in itself, but probably don't have time for that. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, have you back on. Go ahead, have you back on. Start talking about, because... Yeah, I get quite a bit of people who ask about writing books and releasing books. Mm. So that's always something that we could probably help you. Uh, you could help us with. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe we can organize a masterclass or some kind of, of some sort. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah down. obviously definitely, definitely down the future. So yeah, so the language has slightly changed. And so that's reflected more in the power of goals, which is not part of the Understand, Reach, Expand series. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Michael... It has been, listen, it's been an honour. I've enjoyed it. An hour, 20 minutes, and it's felt like 10 minutes. I'm so intrigued. I've got so many more questions that mm-hmm. I wanted to ask, and I'm definitely got to, you definitely got to come back um, and really break it down for us. And you're just your final thought before you, 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 you leave. Well, just to say I thoroughly enjoyed this, um, had so much fun. And you asked really good questions. So I just I just want you to continue, man, and get more people on the show and all that kind of stuff. And I guess my final thought for the people listening is to commit to honest impact. And I'm going to leave it there. Perfect. This is another episode of The Circles Podcast. Be sure to follow 
uh, Michael. I've got all his links and everything will be in the show notes. Um, and you can follow us on Instagram at the Golden Circle, T H E G O L D N, and circle as in the shape. See you guys next time.